What's up? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm all good. How? Uh, where? Where are you at right now? Where's your? Uh, is this your studio or? Yeah, behind me is my studio, uh, based in Utrecht. Um, uh-huh. And actually, it's in my home, so uh, I can just next door is my bedroom. Yeah, and we have the living do- room on that side. So nice. Yeah. How, how, how do you like that to have the studio at home? Um, it's both great and not so great at the same time because you're never done working. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, even even like at twelve o'clock in the evening, and you go and an idea pops up in your head. You go into the studio and I start working. And I'm like, oh fuck, it's already three a.m. Yeah. Um, but that's also an advantage, you know. I don't have to travel to go to the studio. Um, if if anybody asks anything, I can just go in, change it immediately. Yeah, yeah, that's a, definitely a nice perk to have. But I do realize that it's yeah also a downside at the same. Sometimes time. I I think I would prefer maybe uh, just to go on a bike for ten minutes or by car and then be in the studio, so you can really shut it down and go home and do something else. Yeah, but I've never tried it, so I don't know. Oh. What I prefer. I'll give it a try. try it sometime. Yeah. yeah, I know that within Utrecht, it's pretty hard to find a studio space. So uh... yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm really happy with this this place here, and uh, it's great. Yeah, I can imagine. So for all the people and for me as well, by the way, because we, I don't think we've ever met before. I don't think so. No, no. I, I do re- recognize your name, your real name. Um, okay. But I wanted to ask you, like, is did you had a, a different name before Maddox? Or yes, I was producing music just under my own name, which is Pablo. Yeah, and that's probably what maybe I maybe it's it's a long time ago. So I mean, it's for a long time already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's probably <laughs> what I recognized. It's for Pablo Pablo Rint. Yes, right? that's it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. so that makes sense. But no, we've never met before, so. Uh, for everyone who's listening or watching at this moment and wonders who the hell this guy is, who's this guy? Well, I'm Pablo. Um, I go by the DJ name, name of Maddox right now. Um, I think I started it like six years ago. Hmm. Um, at a point in my career that I decided, okay, the music I made before, because I'm producing for 15, 16 years maybe. How old are you? I'm 31 already. Okay. It's yeah. quite the same as me. I'm 33, so we're just yeah, kind of yeah, the same yeah. age. Um, so I, I guess around six years ago, I started Maddox, like the new project, and um, continued with revealed recordings, like slowly signed my releases. And um, um, I, yeah, I have, have had some big collabs with uh, Hartwell, Bella Chow, Smash This Beat, with Timmy Trumpet, uh, with Will Sparks, and everything was fine actually um but two years ago i decided to change direction a little bit because my taste changed so right now and and the fans they will know it like i'm releasing more techno trance old school influenced music with my own sound combined so okay i would say it's quite unique in a way um we can talk about that later but that's yeah. a short introduction who i am <laughs> yeah exactly so pablo also known by Maddox, 31 yeah. years old yes living in utrecht living in utrecht previously made edm now going into the tech-ish trends kind of 
Well, yeah, big room techno is what some people call it, but yeah. Yeah. Is there a certain genre you would call it, or? I've I've been thinking about it, but I would say big room techno because it's basically a little bit of a crossover. But I don't want to be bound to specific genres too much. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to the beginning. You yeah. you mentioned you started doing this, making music at least for like uh, about fifteen years ago. Uh huh. Um. If we count back, that was around the age of 16. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. And uh, tell me about that time. How did you how did you get started with this? Or what was the trigger to get you into the music? So um, basically, I grew up with music in my family. Uh, my mom, she's, uh, she teaches djembe, like the African drug. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, wow. So she does like lessons, workshops. And as a child, so I grew up with it. So yeah. whenever I couldn't sleep as a baby, little kid, she started drumming next to me and I fell asleep. How, and then, how did your mom end up in, in that kind of... Um, yeah, she, like a long time ago, she got triggered by it and just oh. started practicing because she enjoyed it so much. I actually have a djembe. I'm not sure if I have it here, but I bought it when I was super small, like a yeah. small djembe. Like a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so as a kid, I started playing like djembe and all the percussion instruments. Hmm. And slowly that transitioned into playing piano as well um, and drums. like, um, And that slowly went into like, yeah, you're making music all the time. And I got interested in dance music uh, because I heard some tracks or I downloaded some tracks from... Uh, like really old school tracks and I got triggered and I was like, okay, I want to make this, but yeah. how do you start? And that's actually when I first started making yeah, music myself on the computer with uh, Fruity Loops back in the days. <laughs> yeah, without uh, YouTube and without all the tutorials. No YouTube, everything yourself. Yeah, it's difficult. It's completely different than yeah. how, it's, how it's going now, but um, that's when yeah. it started for me and that's the trigger. So then you started making music. Uh, you were also still on school? Yeah, yeah. Um, after high school, I uh, went to university. Okay. Um, and I did like artificial intelligence. Wow. But I quit after a few months. <laughs> <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. But the problem was that there was really no time left to, mm. do, uh, to do any music. So I was used to make music every day, every evening, you know? Yeah. And now I got home at eight in the evening. I had to do homework. Yeah. And then the next morning, leave at seven again. And every single day. So I started skipping doing my homework and started making music again. And I had a good talk with my parents and decided, okay, maybe it's better to try something with the music, but do it more seriously instead yeah. of just making it in your home. Yeah. And how were, um, was that an easy conversation? Um, actually, my mom started the conversation. Okay. Because she's in music as well. She, so she understood my passion. Mm -hmm. And I remember it as a quite an easy uh, conversation. Yeah. Okay. But they wanted me to do something in music. So they didn't want me to stay at home the whole day. Yeah. Music and that's it. So I started looking for like, applying to other schools mm -hmm. um, and I actually ended up first doing a course for half a year at 
uh, SAE. Yeah. You know it, I guess. Yeah, it's a pretty big institute. Maybe, yeah. I think it's even an international institute. I think so, so yeah, it yeah. is. Um, and after that, I applied for um, University of the Arts in Utrecht. Okay. We, that, as Dutch people say, HKU. <laughs> yeah, HKU. And that's, that's different kinds of arts, right? Yes, it's like um, composition and music production is what I followed there. Yeah. Um, but it's not really based on electronic music per se. You get yeah. like teached really broad stuff and there's people singing, people playing instruments, different type of instruments all together mixed in a class. But that's yeah. also the cool part about it. And did you finish that school? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. How did you combine your music during the school period? Um, actually, I wasn't releasing that much, only on my Pablo Rint name. So, and basically it was fine. Like the, um, um, all the assignments you, you got were pretty easily to make your own, um, yeah. to, to make your own music for it. So, yeah, if you're on the school and you do your homework and you uh, put time into it, you will get there, uh, mm -hmm. I guess. So, so during the school, you, you, you try to build your Pablo Rin brand at that time. Yeah. And just get better at producing music because, um, uh, it was still difficult for me to be like really good, sound really good. So just, you learn a lot from all the other all the students as well. Yeah. And um, I started building lots of tracks, lots of tracks, tried try to do some promo and send it out. And it was really difficult to reach out to labels, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I was still in school, you know, so it's fine. Didn't really matter that much and just tried to get better. And actually, I think in the third year, I third or fourth year, I started Maddox. I came up with the Maddox okay. and rebranded everything. Okay, and were you living at your parents' place at that time, or no, on my own? Okay, a small student room. Yeah, that was pretty tough, I can imagine. Yeah, but I also had a a side job, you know, just okay, one yeah. one uh, yeah one day a week. Yeah, at um, to pay the bills. Recycling station. Recycling station. Oh, that's new. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've heard I've heard many side jobs, but recycling yeah. station is new. Before that, I worked at a supermarket as well, but, you know, changed jobs sometimes. And this one earned a lot of money because on Saturdays and the weekends, you got more. So why, why not? not? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's interesting because I notice often that artists who kind of made it to yeah. a certain point, uh, most of them actually started with a side job next to it because in the beginning, as you know, it's it's super hard to make money from your music. So, sure, um, yeah. Especially if you're young, if you're 16 years old, it's a super big advantage to live at your parents' place because you don't have any uh, uh, bills to pay. Yeah, true, true, true. So it's funny that there's like a pattern in there. With yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to work because otherwise there's no money. So yeah, exactly. You have to find the balance between working and your music, and yeah, find a way to. Uh, Earn more money, maybe. And at which point um, is music your full-time uh, career now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at which at which point did that happen? So after I graduated mm -hmm. um, at the University of the Arts, actually, actually for my graduation project, I made a whole album okay. with 
I think like 12 tracks and one of those got signed on Revealed. It was my first release on Revealed Recordings. Um, and I think after that, it took me like one and a half year maybe to build up more, more releases and um, somewhat of a steady income. Mm. Also doing ghost productions because okay. you started receiving a bigger name. Yeah. Um, and I think after that, I also did my first shows and um, I decided after about one and a half year, okay, no more side job. I can, I can start just fully doing yeah. this, but I'm unsure of it. Maybe it's been two years because I was scared to let go of the, the only safe thing yeah. <laughs> in my life, you know, well, what made it scare, scary to you? Because I knew I could work there either one or two times a week, every week. So safe haven. if you need money, you can just call them and go there and it's yeah. fine. And although all the other stuff is doing fine, it's still, it's still scary to, to let go of this one safe way to earn money. Yeah, I can imagine. And at that time you were making money from your gigs, but also maybe some money on your music as well. Yeah. Some money on music, but, um, like the royalties a little bit, some ghost productions, um, yeah, basically that, and a few shows because it slowly started yeah. with some shows. Yeah. And did you did you build your network uh, in in your Pablo Rinz time, and and, and kind of kickstarted your Medix brand because you already knew a lot of people when you started Medix or? Um, no, actually, I I started with Medix because the first first release of Medix was not officially a release. It was a I started doing research and every time I emailed like revealed spin in whatever, all the big labels, I got no reply. Yeah. Classic. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started looking for guys that worked at blogs who write about music. And then I remember for my first one, I wanted to do a free download. So I emailed 40, 42 blogs about this new track with a private link. Um, and one of those replied only one, but they want to do, do a post about it and like a featured release just to get her as a free download. And after it was released a few weeks later, I had like 10 to 12,000 streams on SoundCloud, wow. which was great for like an account without any, yeah, any, uh, views or any followers actually. Yeah. And I linked it to my Facebook, like download gating the whole stuff. Yeah. Um, and later on that track got, uh, I think it was that track got released by Armada because they liked it. Mm -hmm. And that got sent to uh, Refueled because they were doing Dyro's Wolf Radio. Yeah. And if you listen to Wolf Radio number one, this was the first track on the radio. And that's how it got slowly got in touch because they started recognizing like, oh, cool track, send us your new music. Yeah. Um, and then everything started to go, obviously. Yeah. Then slowly you build a connection with the people. Yeah. And, uh, it gets easier to contact them, you know. Yeah, to contact them. But still, yeah. it, it's still pretty hard to achieve all those releases. Yeah, definitely. Do, do all your... Um, like, from the moment you got signed to Revealed, for example, yeah. uh, all the tracks that you've sent, did all those tracks got signed? No, no, no. No way. <laughs> Yeah, because that's that's a big myth that somehow starting artists uh, mm. kind yeah. of believe. Like once you're there, 
you're there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for me as well, I think uh, once I got signed with the biggest labels, 20, 30% got signed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I started, it was something about that. I remember sending seven tracks at once um, after... And, and then it, they came back uh, and they wanted one release. And that was the first release on Revealed. And yeah. after that, I kept on sending. It was like, no, 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 no. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, 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 no. But it gets better. True. But it's also maybe because, like, you're growing as an artist. You're getting better at production. You know the guys better. Um, yeah. So right now, almost everything I make, I can release. Yeah. If I want and what about the songs that don't get signed? What what do you do with those? Mm, right now or back then? Both. <laughs> okay, back then, um, some of them that were good enough, I did a free download or released mm-hmm. them myself a few times. But this was like a pre-Spotify uh, kind of world? Uh, yeah, Spotify existed. And I released some some stuff yeah. on Spotify as well. I guess one track on Spotify. But it was like in the starting phase. Yeah, starting phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and after that, like, if I had enough releases, I didn't really care about the rejected ones because you still have this time frame that just keeps on going with releasing, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, and right now, usually, if a track is not good enough, I keep on changing until it's good enough. So for I a label or for you? for me okay and i usually don't even keep like the the old project files because i just keep on going like iterating changing stuff until i think it's good enough and most of the time when i send it out it's like okay sick it sounds great yeah and what happens when a label when you think it's good enough and a label thinks it's not good enough um we either have a discussion (laughs) (laughs) um or we, or I just, I don't know. It hasn't really happened that much. Okay. Because, um, with revealed, like when it's when I started changing my sound a little bit, um, I had this EP uh, with two tracks, Your Mind and the Rave, which both were pretty heavily techno influenced, mm-hmm. and revealed never really has done anything like that before. So first they uh, told me like the feedback, like, yeah, maybe it's too much techno. And then basically we tried to convince them this for me is the future. So we should try it. And they tried it and they were really happy with it. So it's really cool to see them open-minded about it as well. And you mentioned we tried to convince them. Who's we in this case? Uh, Me and my manager. (laughs) Okay. And who's the manager? Mano. Okay. And yeah. at what at which point in your career uh, did the manager enter? Um, somewhere in the medics phase, uh, actually at the same time when I started with a booking agency because the first few shows I tried to arrange myself and at some point it got difficult. Like you don't know how to negotiate. You don't know what's normal in the industry. And mm-hmm. um, I started asking people and they wanted to sign me for a year already so i tried to hold it back because i was like i don't really need it yeah. and at one point i was like okay maybe i do need it now <laughs> so we started talking again yeah uh which agency is that it's dedicated agency okay uh which is doing my bookings and mano was working there mm-hmm. um on the management side but um uh, the management side has has quit over there 
So Mano is now okay. by himself. And at that time, like, didn't you have anyone in your surroundings uh, which you could talk to who kind of understood this industry or could could help you making those decisions? Yeah, for sure. And um, I always called some people like, hey, do you know, what do I need to ask for this show? How to yeah. check this contract, all this stuff. And I tried to find people to help and it, it worked out, but it got a little bit annoying, like keep on asking people. And sometimes it's easier to yeah. just have one guy um, that knows all about you, you know, and that can just help yeah. you out all the, all the time. Yeah, I can imagine. He kind of becomes part of the family at, at some point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because whenever I, um, when I changed my sound, um, I decided this myself, like without anyone, no label, no one. And I, I started in the studio and I was like, okay, I go to techno parties myself. Hmm maybe i want to try and make something a bit more unique with a little bit of influences from this sound so i made a first track and i had a meeting uh, with my manager and i went there and i entered the building and he's like okay pablo we need to talk because something about your music needs to change and i'm like okay i had the same feeling listen to this and he was like okay it's done it's okay. perfect this is the direction we need to take so somehow we both felt like okay yeah some change needs to happen and what was the reason for it to change like did it became too generic or something or uh also but um like mainly my own taste just slowly changed you know yeah. and um i i felt like you get stuck a little bit because everyone has expectations and you keep on making the same stuff yeah and i always try to influence by like be influenced by different genres but Techno always was a bit too far and it made me realize like, fuck the genres, fuck the rules. Yeah. Just do whatever I feel like doing. Um, what was that the first time you kind of realized that? I realized it before, but I never really, um, dared to change, you know? Hmm. Um, also because you're building a name and I felt like, okay, right now, um, I somehow have a I have a name and I may maybe the label will accept it as well because Revealed never has done anything um, in, in in the genre before. Yeah. And what what led you to finally making the decision? What was the the thing that that yeah helped you? I made the first track. Um, I showed it to Mano. He was super happy. I made I guess one or two more tracks. And. In my head, I still hadn't fully changed like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Because it's really difficult to let go of your old stuff. And yeah. I was like, yeah, if I, if, if I have a show, I will also play my biggest hits, you know. But as Revealed supported it and the fans were shocked at first, but half of them were shocked. And like, what, what's this noise? What's this shit? Yeah. Half of them were like, finally something new. And every single track i kept like changing a little bit more in 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 the direction that i want and uh, honestly it's been super good for me to have complete freedom in the studio you know yeah i don't care about the rules um i remember the first time i used the techno kick in a big room track and i was like should i do this is it too crazy and then it it works great no yeah. one cares they actually like it because it's new 
it's funny how that works, right? You have this this need to change something, and and deep inside yeah. you kind of know what needs to be changed, but somehow yeah. there's a lot of mental blocks that you put up yourself, exactly, uh, exactly. that keep you from actually doing it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's not. It's nice to see that you've overcome it because some artists tend to get stuck within that space and uh, kind of go into this negative loop uh, where they keep making stuff they don't actually like and the fans kind of get bored because it's the same shit all over again. Exactly. Um, But it's really difficult what you say. It's really difficult. It's super difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I I only started realizing that once I quit DJing (laughs) uh, a few years later, I, I, I was able to kind of, look at the whole dj career from a bigger perspective and i was like holy fuck it's pretty complicated you know it seems so Uh easy and it seems so obvious but there are so many different dynamics within your career that you have to deal with um which is also something i wanted to ask is like how do you deal with the fans because you mentioned 50 percent accepted it the other 50 percent was like what yeah. the fuck is this yeah, so yeah, yeah. How, how do you deal with that because it's the first time you kind of build an audience it's the first time you have yeah. an audience yeah and now you kind of say well it's not like you say literally but you kind of say fuck you guys i'm gonna do whatever i want true but to me like the most important thing it's my life it's my music and i need to enjoy it is so, is did you all did you always believe that or is that something that is relatively new to you that thought i i i think i believed it but didn't realize i believed it mm. but never act to it yeah exactly exactly yeah. so um well the first track it it was like 50 50 as i just told you and it's it's difficult but at the same time I knew like the reactions from the people in the industry as well. And sometimes people and fans, if you're a really big fan of a specific sound, change can be really hard to accept. Yeah. I mean, if something works, you want it to stay the same. People don't like change. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's how it works. So I realized like, okay, I need to convince them Mm -hmm. in a slow process. And you cannot like at one point just change everybody oh yeah it's great 100 it's not possible people yeah. need time to change to realize like okay maybe it's cool and that's exactly what i saw in like all the releases building up uh, i saw more and more people starting to dig it and like saying hey finally something new this is great yeah um some issues that we had is that exactly when i started releasing the new genres COVID hit and uh, I wanted to premiere a new set at Ultra Miami, which got canceled. And from there on, like I've made all this music without doing any shows. Yeah. You've actually never played your new kind of style. No, until like last summer it was possible to finally have a few. But before that, over a year, I've never played anything. Yeah. Which has been weird because... Um, when I started this, I wanted to combine it with my old sound. But now my first show, I was like, okay, I'm not going to play any of my old songs. Yeah. Which is, again, a shock for people maybe who come and see me. But, yeah. And how about how about creating some sort of remix, uh, remakes or bootlegs from your old hits into the new sound? It's still on my to-do list. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, but um, what I tried to do, because some of the fans, they, they enjoy big room and they think that the techno is going to be really boring for them. But mm. now I've done a few shows and I've seen that even those big room fans, they have so much fun during the shows because it's still medics. It's still going hard like the same I was before, you know, yeah. just with a new sound, different sound. And I tried to put in a lot of recognizable stuff. I've made some remixes of old tracks in the new sound. Not my own tracks, but other people's tracks. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Listen, I, I want to skip the part about COVID because I think we're all tired of that shit. But <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in, in one part um, because this whole period kind of changed a lot within yeah. the music industry as well. And what I'm wondering is what did it change for you? Like what how did you experience it or what kind of changes did you uh, brought to your musical career during this time? Um, I think it's a bit difficult to answer because right when it hit, I just started changing my sound and I actually got way more inspired in the studio because I was more free. Okay. Yeah. Um, which has nothing to do with COVID, but that's how it felt in the beginning. Um, mm. Right now, I appreciate the few shows I've done so much more, and I cannot wait to go fully back, opened up on tour. Yeah. Um, because I really miss, like, you make club music, and you want to go out there, and you want to see the response, you want to feel the bass, and it's just not possible. Yeah. So right now, the last few months is, like, up and down, like, of excitement, and you're making a track, you release a track without ever being able to play it live. Yeah. It's just stupid. And, and how did it change your perspective on your audience? Like um, social media, for example, became more important. Already yeah. was super important, but now I kind of feel like it, it has the overhand. Yeah. Um, is that something you like to do or? No, <laughs> I don't really like the social media side of things. Um, and I also think it's, it's actually, actually made it harder for me, uh, the social media part, because there's no content. Mm -hmm. So with all these algorithms and whatever, you need to either be super funny on purpose or by yourself maybe and make these, you know, TikTok style videos. And I just don't like to do that. So yeah. I'm really trying to find a way still to balance like my music with sometimes maybe a funny video, but yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. But I think this is good to hear for a lot of, the people who are listening because what i notice a lot within artists like bigger artists or smaller artists yeah. social media is such a big well let's just say problem mm. uh, because it's it's now more important than ever and i don't really see a way back from this to be honest no. yeah um i do believe that the world has become more digital over the years and will probably be more digital within a few years so I don't think there's a way back. So dealing with this and finding a way to make it work for yourself is, is super important. Yeah, exactly. And is that sure. something you spend? How, how much time do you spend on social media at this point? Um, actually, recently I started uh, hiring someone mm -hmm. to help a little bit with it. Uh, because m myself, I just want to be in a studio and... I always forget like, oh shit, I need to do a post. And then like at three, you need to start like looking for something and it takes you one hour, maybe yeah. one and a half to make something. And it just completely breaks your workflow, you know? Yeah. So True. that's why I started looking for someone 
or at least like help with ideas and uh, help with some videos, cutting them, uh, sorting everything and make a planning every week. So right now that's what we do. Like once every week or two weeks, we do a quick call and schedule some, some stuff. And is that, um, uh, do you post on a daily base or? No. Okay. I guess like three posts a week, something to aim for, but it depends on the content as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm also really bad at stories because I don't know. <laughs> You need to learn it. If I if I'm on tour, it's easy for me. What makes it easier? Because you have stuff to show. You can show people around the world. You're flying. You have a story to tell. If I show them my studio every single day, it's not really interesting for them. Hmm. Yeah, it's know. funny because I I have this this conversation with all the artists that come here, yeah. uh, and it's some sort of conviction that that they seem to told themselves make them believe like my life is boring aside from the touring yeah um which i don't fully agree with because i don't think i think every person's life is is interesting it's just a way of depends on how you how you frame it and what you show and what you don't show uh, but to a lot of your fans your life is super interesting because you're living the dream to them yeah but maybe, maybe it's more that i'm like still a little bit scared to maybe share too much personal stuff i don't know yeah i just don't want to put my whole life on instagram you know? yeah and um, i wouldn't even recommend you to do because no. it's <laughs> yeah. pretty shitty you know but yeah uh, if, if you would take like let's say 10 minutes of your day of the 24 hours that you're alive mm-hmm. uh just 10 minutes a day of of content is nothing so you can leave 23 hours and 50 minutes of your day private and the other 10 minutes uh, you can post about. Yeah, true. But that's that's just something I also uh, recognize with a lot of artists. Like they kind of, yeah, inside their head, they kind of convince themselves that their life is boring. While yeah. to a lot of fan perspectives, you're living the dream, you know? That's true. That's true. Sitting yeah. in the studio and, and making a living from your music is, is the end goal to them. Yeah, true. That's true. Which it was for you as well a couple of years ago. For sure, for sure. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. yeah. So what's uh, what's on the shelf for you for the upcoming uh, period? And of course, like not no, really knowing what the future could bring, but how are you anticipating on that? Um, I have some really cool tracks coming up, um, and that's one of the goals for me. Like release music about every six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made a lot of edits and tried to stay relevant with those, like pick old tracks. For example, uh, next week, there's one advanced from Marcel Woods, like the old school guys. It's would, yeah, it's a classic track and I remi- remixed it and it's now coming out officially. So that's like one part, a few big collabs um, to try and stay relevant. And without, like for me, it's, basically the most important thing to show my sound to people but it's impossible with the shows yeah so the next step is to have a few big collabs so their fans will also possibly see my sound and are you doing any um relatively new marketing strategies to um yeah to bring your music towards the the audience um no, I don't think I don't even think so. What kind no, of? No, but maybe. I mean, well, um, if if you 
there's not a lot of artists who have been doing it. But if you think about artists who who brought their music to I don't know the metaverse or do live shows in the metaverse uh, or you know yeah. do do things to um, have the fans experience the music while the clubs are closed, mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. kind of experience the music in a different way. Yeah, um, not really. We have been in talks about some NFT stuff, but it's been a long time ago before. Like just when the hype started, actually a little bit before, because I'm also quite interested in it. But at the same time, we got stuck a little bit. And I believe right now it's it's really difficult as well to to like um, do a really proper one because you want to attach some special values to it, which is difficult because the whole world is still closed. And I think maybe it's better to wait a little bit and let it grow. Uh, from my side yeah um and other than that not really there's um i'm trying to push my youtube account a little bit more um what is it that you do on the youtube channel well i didn't even upload my own tracks so that's something i started doing right now um i released a squid game remix on there Mm -hmm. just on youtube it's doing really well i released a masterclass production masterclass and that's something I want to do like three times a year, maybe record a full masterclass so people can see it and uh, cool. hopefully learn a little bit. Yeah. yeah. One question that I like to ask as well is what tip would you give your younger self? <laughs> so the 16 year old Pablo, what tip would you give him with the knowledge that you have now? Ooh. And don't say buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a really good one. Basically. It's a really good one, but it's a uh, really good one. Yeah. Um, wow, it's a difficult question, man. No, man, that doesn't matter. You can take some yeah. time to think. Yeah, I'm thinking, but maybe like um, I would have preferred to just be free in the studio from the beginning instead mm. of like only realizing it after so many years. Yeah. And um, I think that would have helped me way earlier to be more interesting to other people because you make something not copying. Well, it wasn't really yeah. copying, but not sounding the same. And I think that would be a great tip for myself. That is a great tip. Earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that is a great tip. I, I know a lot of people are struggling with that and somehow you find your way out. Mm. Um, do, do you do you still know how you found your way out or is it just something that happened? Uh, it, it just happened. It's so difficult to... But yeah. it's been iterative. Like you cannot get out in at once, you know. You have to slowly change and accept for yourself and maybe get confirmation from people around you as well because you see the fence oh nice and you take them on a journey step by step exploring further and further yeah and then if you go and watch back like one year ago you're like whoa that changed a lot but you don't really feel like it doesn't really feel like a lot because it's so slowly yeah yeah, it's something that happens in your brain, right? It's it's, yeah. it's a conviction that you have or a dream that you have and you start working on it on a daily basis. And yeah. then, as you mentioned, step by step, it happens. And then especially the confirmations from, well, maybe people around you or maybe an artist that you look up to 
starts playing your song, um, yeah. which gives you a lot of self-value, maybe. Like you start to value your own uh, opinion. Yeah, that's true. And you get motivated. I, I get motivated as well because sometimes you're like, what the fuck am I doing in the studio? Yeah. And then when you see like the people around you, they, they appreciate it and you see the fans appreciate it or you play one show and you see the crowd appreciate it and you're like, okay, I was right. But that's like a confirmation and it, yeah, you start believing in yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, how much hours do you spend in the studio? Um, whew. It's so difficult. I'm, I'm here like a lot of time, but... There's more things to do than just studio time. I'm also a really technical producer, so I like to read or watch YouTube about like mastering, whatever. Um, but basically, five days a week I'm in the studio. Hmm. And then um, like uh, eight hours a day or something, full-time job. Yeah, but I cannot I cannot work no. for eight hours straight. Sometimes it's one hour and the other hours are just wasted time because it's bullshit what you're doing. Yeah. And another day you can be 12 hours full focus, you know, it goes up and down every, yeah. It's the mind of a creative person. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot control it. Uh, it's, it's, it's super hard to control. But, uh... There's a few theories of people who tend to believe that uh, it's possible to control creativity or to at least channel it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's super hard. That's definitely true. Yeah. For me, I realized that, um, I need some deadlines mm. um, because if there's no like deadlines these days, it makes it harder for me to start working and be creative. And what is it? What is it that the deadlines bring uh, that help you? Is it the pressure? Yeah, the pressure. Or, or the fact that you should that someone's waiting for you that you have to deliver. I think both, but the pressure as well because. Whenever you wake up and I'm like, okay, I can start working now, but I'm not really feeling it. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. And you start playing Call of Duty or do some other stupid stuff, you know? Yeah. And if there's some pressure, people are waiting or you want to deliver it, then I start doing it. And once you're on working on it, you start enjoying it and having more fun. So, um, but this, this is especially something that's happened during COVID. Um, I started really good with the new sounds and now slowly like there's less and less pressure to, to do anything. So yeah. I start getting a bit more lazy. Um, so I'm trying to make some deadlines for myself. So you get uh, better hours in the studio. Well, it's good that you know what your trigger is. It's, it's good to mm. know what, what keeps you motivated and what uh, kind of turns you, yeah, turns you on in some sort of way, you know, like uh, yeah. that, 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 yeah activate your uh, engine <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um especially in times like this i can imagine that it's frustrating and that it's um um yeah it's, it's easy to get demotivated every now and then yeah it's hard for everyone but especially for someone who doesn't have a boss that tells him what to do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i think a lot of artists feel the same like sometimes you have good news and it goes up and then nothing happens and it goes down and you need to yeah and what's best to... is to stick here yeah yeah to kind of flow every yeah. in between everything and yeah. to to enjoy the heights but also yeah. kind of know how to 
to deal with the lows because there's there is and will be lows for sure um i want to thank you man um cool i enjoyed uh, the conversation and, and getting to know you better uh because as i mentioned i only your name kind of ring the bell for, from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and the medics brand kind of started when I quit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we never really met. Uh, no, I started artist coaching six years ago. So that's when you started medics. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> exactly the same time frame. Yeah. So, uh, that overlap, but I was, I was curious to hear your story and, um, how you've been doing and how you're dealing with everything that's going on now. So thanks for, uh, taking the time to do this. Awesome. Thanks for having me. uh, Yeah, no problem. Have a good day, man.